Praise God. And I'm excited to start a brand new series today that we're going to kick off today titled Empty. Y'all said it with me, Empty. And we are going to dive in and talk about that word and about that thought. See, empty actually means a lot of things. But you know, even in the emptiness, there's a promise. Amen. In the emptiness, there is a promise. And what I love about Easter is it, it is the pinnacle of our faith. Did you know that? You know, you kind of narrow down Christianity to, to, to Christmas and to Easter. But, you know, people come, come from out of the woodwork sometimes. People that necessarily don't go to church, they'll, they'll come to church on Christmas. And they'll come to church on Easter and everybody gets dressed up. And it excites me. And, uh, you, you know, Christmas is great. It's awesome. But, but Christmas is kind of that beginning of the story. Right? And Easter is the finish of that story that Jesus wrote. Because on the cross, what did Jesus say? It is finished. And I love Easter because there is so much, somebody say much, that Jesus did on that cross. And what he did that first Sunday morning, that first Easter Sunday when that tomb was empty. And I don't believe that we are ever going to know all that he did for us, for humanity, for the world, until we enter into the gates one day. Now, he's still giving us revelation. That's good, right? I love some fresh revelation. And he's still speaking and teaching us every day if you're in a relationship with him. But what I love about Easter is we come together and we relive his word and we relive his promise. Right? Because this is what I want you to know about Easter. We just celebrated the Passion Week. We had Palm Sunday last Sunday, working our way to Good Friday, where Jesus was crucified, laid his life down, and on Sunday rose again, so that you and I could raise again. But Jesus didn't go through all of that so that you could continue to live empty. He didn't go through all of that so you could stay bound to sin, so that you could stay spiritually sick, so that you could continue to live in unforgiveness, so that you could continue to live alone, because God loves you. He loves you. And as a pastor, I see a lot of people not living in hope, living less than. If you watch the news, you turn the TV on, I feel like much of the world is running on empty. So thankful y'all are following along with me. You're tracking with me this morning. It's the Holy Spirit. Much of the world is running on empty. And there is still a promise in the emptiness, right? Our world is full of indebted people, lost people, broken people. And it breaks my heart. It breaks God's heart. Distressed people, people that are bound. And if there's an emptiness that's running rampant in our world, a spiritual emptiness. There's a void that God can fill. And you know what? There was something else that was empty on that first Easter Sunday. I want to share it with you. Is that okay? Can I share that with you? The promise of God. If you got your Bible, go ahead and open it. And I want you to turn to Luke 24, 1 through 9. I want to tell you something else that was empty. And it wasn't the promise of God. It was uh, the tomb of Jesus. Amen. At verse 1 it says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and some certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. 
But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. If they did not find the body of the Lord where he was supposed to be, what does that mean? It means that the tomb was empty. And as it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men, really two angels, stood by them in shining garments, and then they were afraid and they bowed low, their face to the earth, and the angel said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead? The angels of heaven said, He's not here, but he's risen. Tell your neighbor he's alive. He is risen, he is alive. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, and they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and then the rest. I love what the angels asked the women and some of the disciples that were with them. He said, why do you search for the living among the dead. Christ is alive, and I feel like a lot of times out in the world we're amongst the living dead. (laughs) We walk around stumbling, bumbling in the dark, walking around mesmerized by our phones, by our tablets, by our TVs, and God is saying today, wake, O sleeper. Rise up in faith. Use the eyes I gave you, use the ears I gave you to come see, experience the truth and the gospel of my son. He's the only one that can fix it. He's the only one that's with you everywhere that you go. He's the only one that can help you. And God says, rise. Because the tomb is empty, that means our lives don't have to be. Amen. Look at that first point I want to give you today. Jesus is alive. Where's Jesus right now? Where's my Bible scholars? Some of y'all read your Bible. He is alive, it says, sitting at the right hand of God, ever interceding, praying for you and for me. He's praying for you this morning to hear truth, to repent from your sins, and to invite him into your life and have a relationship with him. He's alive. Because he's alive, he wants you to live, right? It says, he has risen from the dead and became, and because the tomb is empty, Our lives don't have to be. Because he's alive, you can live. Because Jesus stomped the devil, you can stomp the devil. Another reason I love Easter is because I get an excuse to go ahead and buy me some nice brand new devil stompers. If you know me, you know I have an issue with shoes. I love shoes. And so these are my brand new devil stompers for Easter itself. And because Jesus lives and he stomped the devil into eternity, Ian Westbrook gets to do the same thing in his faith in Jesus. Nothing that I can do, but what Jesus can do through me. And he can do that through you. And he wants you to rise and live in faith and live in expectation, right? If you are living in a place today that is not hope, if you say, Pastor Ian, those people that you shared about at the beginning of this, the world that's empty, the world that's discouraged, that's me, that's okay, You know what? Even if you're a Christian, that's okay. Do we experience stress of the world? Just because Jesus is my Lord doesn't mean I'm I'm scot-free of experiencing these things, but God doesn't want us to live there. Come on, somebody. He doesn't want you to live there. In those moments, he wants you to, to invite him in. 
Right? And so, but if you say, you know what, I feel empty. I feel hopeless. I want you to know because the grave is empty, your life doesn't have to be. God wants to fill that place and to fill you with his life and with his presence and with his promises. Jesus, if you feel empty today, he came for you. He came for you. He lived, he ministered, he died for you. And hey, here's the good news. It's never too late. It's never too late. Today is the day, the Bible says, of salvation. Today is the day where you can say yes to Jesus and no to the devil. No to sin, Satan, and self. And if you need saving today, I promise you there will be a moment today where you can accept Jesus as Lord. But if you need saving, y'all, I know somebody. If you know somebody, give them a shout. If you know who that somebody is, if you know who he is, then you know who he is in here. Right now, you've experienced some things, but man, you've experienced some amazing things on this, this life of faith with Jesus, right, Rob? You've experienced some miracles, right? And he is no respecter of persons. Y'all, he, he wants to redeem your past, redeem your bad decisions so that he can redeem your future, right? So that he can redeem your future. And when, when you know Jesus and you know that hope, you know that somebody. That's somebody, that son of God, there is nothing that any person, place, or thing can do to steal that joy, that peace from you. Look at that next point. So if that grave is empty, our lives don't have to be. And that resurrection life of Jesus Christ, it fills us with that living, somebody say living, that living hope that I'm talking about. This thing that happens inside of me when I by faith say yes to God through his son, a living hope happens. Something changes, right? And we can have a hope in life and in death. I'm going to talk to you about that today. We can have a hope in life and in death because the tomb is empty. We have a living hope when we believe in Jesus, a living hope. I can live differently because I serve a different God. There's no other God on the face of the planet. You can search books in the library. There's only one book on the face of the planet that says our God has conquered death. That's what separates this day from every other day, 365 days of the calendar year, is because this day our God said no more death. In Ecclesiastes it says that the eternity has been set in the heart of man. That's what makes us human is that we believe there's something after this life. And if we believe there's something after this life, that means you're responsible for this life and how you live and honor God. Because if you live like a hellion, why do you think God's going to invite you into heaven? Now, you can live to the standard according to the world. Oh, I'm a good person. You talk to most people, they think they're a good person. But hey, there's going to be a lot of good people in hell. The standard we live by is this. And there is a living hope when you live according to his standard. And God, he fills you with that hope when you begin a relationship with him. As I was thinking about what God wants to do in our lives every single day, and especially on Easter, the promise of the empty grave, he wants to, he wants to impart love and joy and forgiveness and call you a child of God. He wants to do that every single day. He wants to fill us. He wants to fill you. 
What is the opposite of being filled? Empty. The opposite of being filled is empty. As I was praying this week and, and studying and, and praying and talking to God and, and reading my word, the Lord just reminded me of the scripture that we just read out of Luke 24. You know, the disciples and the three Marys that were there at the empty tomb, Mary Magdalene, Mary Jesus' mother, and Mary James and John's mother, you know what? The Lord just reminded me in that moment, they were feeling pretty empty. What had happened? Their teacher, their Lord, their Messiah, their best friend who they, they ministered with and did life with every single day together for the last three and a half years. Mary's son, he was just crucified. Y'all, they were broken. You want to talk about being hopeless? They were empty, y'all. But what the Lord showed me is in a moment, when they seen the stone rolled away, in that moment when they seen their God was not there, they were instantly filled in Jesus' name. So no matter how empty you feel, no matter how hopeless you feel, in a moment, God can turn your emptiness into fullness. Because what did they do? They ran and told the rest of them, Peter and John, and all the rest of the disciples, because they were now filled with hope because their God lives. Right? So God wants to do that same thing to us. So where are you living today? Where do you reside Monday through Friday? Do you live in emptiness? Do you live in hopelessness? Because God, God wants to fill you more than just on Easter Sunday. He wants to do more than just you say a prayer once or twice a year in church and then go back to doing what you're doing. God wants to be Messiah, Lord, friend in your life. Right? Look at 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4. And so we have this living hope. Y'all, I can just see them disciples and, and the Marys running back to tell the rest of them they were probably running living hope. They were so excited. Right? So 1 Peter 1, 3-4, it says, Praise be to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a what? Living hope. If you are in your Bible, follow along in your Bible, just highlight that, underline that phrase, into a living hope. If you're not living in hope, something's wrong. Now, like I said, it's okay to, to be discouraged and to be challenged, but don't, don't reside there. Don't live there. Get up. Because God calls us into a new birth of living hope through what? The resurrection of who? Jesus Christ from the what? From the dead. Because Jesus lives, we can live. Because Jesus arose, we can arise when that alarm clock goes off, right, on Monday morning at 4.30 or 5.30. You can rise in the hope of Jesus Christ and into an inheritance that can be never be perished, spoil, or fade. And this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, it says. The promise of a living hope for an eternal God for all of his creation. So if you say, Pastor Ian, I, I'm stuck. 
I'm in this place that I can't seem to get out of. I want to tell you, God can pull you out of that. But a sign, if you're living that way, if you feel alone, if you feel discouraged, if you're in a tough place, a sign that you feel empty is because you're trying to fill that emptiness with all the wrong things. See, that's what happens when we're not in a real right, somebody say right, relationship with God through his son. See, I, I try to cure myself with all these external remedies. I, I try and fill this, this void in my life with all the wrong things, drugs, alcohol, toxic relationships, too much Netflix, too much Facebook, too much TikTok. See, look at your life as like a big puzzle. You got all these pieces. You got your family. You got your job. You got your ministry. You got your, your personality. You got the, your hobbies, your things you like to do, you don't like to do. You got all these pieces coming together, and you got this one empty space. And that puzzle of your life is not complete until you fill it with His Son. And when you put his son in that empty place of that puzzle of your life, not only is it complete, but man, that emptiness you've been trying to fill will be filled. You'll have a joy that no one can talk you out of. You'll have a peace that you've never had in a long time. You'll be able to let things roll off your back like you've never let roll off your back in a long time. And that's all because of that living hope that Christ guarantees us. All right, look at that next point. So a living hope, a, a hope in life, it means that we can live every day. Somebody say that with me. Every day. Say it real Southern Holly Pondage. Every day. You can live every day. Somebody's really good. Every day with hope. Are there going to be challenges? Yes. Will there be opportunities for doubt to flood your mind? Yes. But hey, you don't have to stay there. God wants you to live in hope. Because we know hope. He's a person. Did you know that? It's literally an expectation of good. I want you to highlight that, underline that. How is your life in expectations? Do you have any? Are they all bad? Are you that negative Nelly that no one wants to be around because all your expectations are negative? Or even worse, you don't have any. That breaks God's heart for you to live that way. When Jesus Christ calls you a son, a daughter of God, you better have some expectations. Our best days are ahead of us because the God of hope lives within us. When Jesus Christ, the God of hope, comes to live, dwell inside your heart, guess what happens? He plants hope. He fills you with hope, a living hope. And when you are planted and impregnated with hope, guess what it does? It releases expectation. Y'all know, most of y'all know my story. I was 
living in sin, was addicted to drugs and alcohol. I lived a hopeless life. I lived an empty life because I began to live the way the world called me. See, the world wants to judge you and categorize you. So the world said I was this way. The whole time God knew I was this way. And so that breaks God's heart. When I accepted Jesus Christ into my life, did my whole life fix itself in a moment? Being honest, no. I had lost my driver's license. I had hurt a lot of people that I loved and cared about. I had burnt a lot of bridges. I needed a miracle in my life. Now, nothing externally changed in a moment, but guess what did change in a moment? My heart. He impregnated me with hope that, you know what, I'm going to get out of this. It may take a while, but God's got me. And so in that moment, he impregnated me with hope. And that hope released expectation. If Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, and you don't have any expectations, there's something spiritually wrong with you. Because Jesus lives, you can live. Because Jesus stomped the devil, I get to stomp the devil. The opposite of living in hope is living in despair, living in hopelessness. And so if Jesus, a relationship with him impregnates me with hope, what I want you to know is the world does the opposite. It doesn't impregnate you with hope. What does it do? It infects you with fear. And if you're infected with fear, guess what that releases? Death. If you're infected with fear, you're going to live in death. And I thought we'd been hooting and hollering because it's Easter Sunday and he's a alive, right? There's a lot of sleepwalking, deadwalking Christians because they're not living in the hope of Jesus Christ and living out the expectation of who he is. Come on, somebody. You need to rise up, have hope, live with expectation. You know what happens when you have expectation? Your life changes. Your life changes because he is life. And when his life comes alive in your life, your life will begin to change. Some of us need to change our lives. Some of us have some bad habits. Some of us have some bad hearts. Some of us are hung up. We're stuck in the dirt. And God says, I love you. I forgive you. If you trust me, not only will I help you, but I'll put you on my back and I'll take you to the promised land in Jesus' name. He can do that for you. Now it's going to take faith. It's going to take trust. You're going to need some other like-minded believers to help you, to walk with, to run with you. You need to find somebody who's been there, done that. Ask questions. Be in your word. Be in prayer. And if you really believe and need this thing to, to change, if it's killing you, if it's destroying, if it's robbing from you, John 10, 10 says, Jesus said that of the devil, he came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come so that you may have, there's life, that magic word again. And so if that is happening, that's not the will of God. And if your desire is to change that, God's going to help you. He wants to help you, right? When your, expect change, when your expectations change, your life changes. Guess what happens if your life changes? Your family gets better. You mentally get better. Your heart gets better. Your job gets better. Your bubble gets better. Your personality gets better. You become more likable. Say likable. 
right? What is your expectations like today? Look at Romans 15, 13. It says, now may the God of hope fill. There's that magic word again, fill. If, I, if he's saying I need to be filled, what do we say the opposite of filled is? Empty, right? So he says, let that living hope, the, the God of hope, fill you. If there's an emptiness, I need to fill it with what? Hope. That's the word of God. I need to fill it with hope, with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Y'all, what would happen if you abounded in hope? When's the last time you went to work just skipping abounding in hope in Jesus' name? Work's going to be great today. and I'm going to kill some bugs today in Jesus' name. If you don't know, I'm a pest control technician for uh, Northwest Exterminating. If you got bugs, give me a call. But uh, I like to think that I abound in my work. Are you abounding with hope when you come through the door from killing bugs all day to your wife and to your kids and to your family? When the enemy comes at you, are you abounding in hope and a promise and a truth? Or is the enemy having his way with you? If the enemy is having his way with you, it's because you're letting him live scot-free on your back. You need to serve him some eviction papers and say, I'm not going to live that way because I know somebody. That's how we put up a fight. That's how we should live. And if we lived in abounding hope, my expectations would change. And if my expectations could change, then things would change. Before I came to know Jesus, I was very negative, and my wife would tell you I'm, I'm s still working on that. He's still working on me. I am not perfect. I'll say she's the more positive one at times. It's because I lived this way for so long, right? Now, he comes, he lives in my heart, but it's still something I'm been dealing with and living in for a long time. And so I got I to gotta battle not being negative. Right? But when I allow him to come in, I say no to the devil. I know that's not who I am. That's who I was. And I'm not who I was. I'm getting better. Right? He's working on me. Things are going to change. Look at Psalms 27, 13. I love this. It says, yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. As a child of God, we right now reside in the land of the living, and we're going to reside in the land of the eternal living in one day when he calls us home. But he wants his children of God not to just be filled with hope, filled with expectation, but also filled with confidence. Because you know what happens when I'm filled with hope and expectation? Confidence comes. And if I could abound in hope and live in expectation and live in confidence, things will change. Your life will get better. Look at that next point. So God, he wants us to live in a living hope. I want you to see that there is even a hope for us in death. Now, that's good news. There is a hope for us in death. 
So a hope in death means our hope is what? Eternal, okay? We don't have to fear death because Jesus conquered death and gave us eternal life. So we have a living hope, (laughs) and we have a dying hope. What do I mean by that? No, we don't have a hope that's going to die. We we have a hope that can happen even on my deathbed. You don't have to be afraid of death if you believe in Jesus. See, because this is one thing I know that I know that I know is going to happen to each and every one of us one day. Every single one of us is going to one day physically die. And because of that, where are you currently living, spiritually residing? Because God wants to impart a hope, a peace in here that says if my day is today, tomorrow, next year, next month, you can have a peace that says there's something waiting for you on the other side. We can even die in hope because the tomb is empty. Because the tomb is empty, I don't have to fear death. So is it well with your soul? Is the promise of God well with your soul? Are you good right now, if that day was today, with presenting to God the life that you've lived? Are you good with standing before the Creator and it says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus, Lord, we're going to give an account to our lives, the things we did, the things we didn't do, and it also has an account to every single idle word. So are you living in a hope that says, you know what, it's all yours, Jesus, and what is he going to say to you on that judgment day? Is he going to say, enter in my good and faithful servant? Or is he going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. See, because what makes me right with him is my relationship with him. So now, let me backtrack a second. Because he's the creator, does he know you? You better believe it, he made you. We just spent three weeks talking about how he shaped us, right? See, but he wants you to give him permission to know you. We all have secrets. We all have dark places in our mind we don't like to go to. We have events that hurt us. And so we like to think we're hiding that from people, places, and things, and even from God. And so have you invited God in the cracks and crevices of your life? Because that's how he begins to know us. Do I have secret sin that I secretly enjoy? If you do, and you haven't confessed that, and remedied that with the blood of Jesus, why do you think he would let you into his kingdom on judgment day? He wants to know us. Do you have hope in death? Or are you scared of what that's going to mean? Because you don't have to be scared if you know him. You don't have to to wonder. You can have this thing set in your heart that says, 
I trust you. Now, I think there's a little bit of hesitancy for all of us thinking about the afterlife because we don't know exactly what it's going to look like, feel like, what it's going to be like, right? And so there is a little tendency for us to be scared of the things that we don't understand because I understand this life, right? Am I the only one? I know how to navigate this world and, and, and do things, and I can do things in my own control or his control. And so there's a tendency for us to, to fear the things we don't understand. God wants to liberate you from that even. He wants you to say, you can trust me. Now, it's going to cost you your life here because it costs my son's life. And if you, by faith, believe in his life, I will give you life here. You're going to have an amazing life here. And when you pass away one day, I'm going to invite you in to live with me forever. Who's going to be there? Who wants to be there? Look at all them hands. Hallelujah. Right, I want to be there. I want to be there with you, LCHP family. We're rocking out. Man, Rob's going to be on guitar. Getting a Bradley's going to be on his guitar. We're going to have a drummer by then. So our drummer will be up there too. Getting it. Right? So look, look at John 11, 25 through 26. Jesus is asking this woman a question. He says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall what? Live. So Jesus is saying, I'm the resurrection life. Everyone will physically die. But if he believes in me, he shall live. Verse 26, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Then he says, do you believe this? Liberty Church Holly Pond, do you believe this today? If you believe this today, what are you going to do with this? Because if you believe this, there's a responsibility in doing something with the thing that I say I believe in. Are you sharing this truth with anybody else? Did you just get your fire insurance and, hey, they're living like hellions, so let them go. Let them burn. Is that the heart of God? It should break our hearts when somebody else is living in sin on purpose. Now, I get mad at people that are living that way, and there's a righteous indignation God calls us to live in, but there has to be a compassion and a grace inside me that says, how do I build this bridge from this person living in the darkness to invite them into the light? Because God wants to invite people into his kingdom. You know that? He wants us to invite people into his kingdom. He doesn't want us to... To, to hate people. Out. If you hate people, you're going to just stiff arm people and keep them stuck where they are. Now, we call truth what it is. We call sin for what it is. And if they're not in a place where they're going to receive from us, then you pray and you intercede for that person until God opens that door where you, you feel like the Holy Spirit says, now's the time. Now they're ready to receive. And the best thing you can do to invite somebody in the kingdom of God is not anything you can even say sometimes. It's how you what? how you live and demonstrate the hands and feet of Jesus and that sacrificial love of who he is. So Jesus said, do you believe this? Do you believe this today? Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 16 through 22. And I love this passage of scripture. This is Paul. He's writing to the church in Corinth. And he is talking real talk. Do you know that you can ask God questions? I hope you're asking God questions every single day because you know what? I've only been a pastor for a few years, and I have a lot of questions about his word. 
And I ask him all the time, help this make sense to me. Holy Spirit, bring revelation. And Paul, he's just thinking out loud. He's jotting this down. He says, he says if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. Y'all agree with that? And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. Let me stop there for a moment. If Christ is not raised from the dead, guess what? We still need salvation. Because every person has sinned and fallen short to the glory of the God, it says. I hope we got a Savior. Right? I hope Jesus is who he says he is. Who believes Jesus is who he says he is? Right? In verse 18, he says, in that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. If he hasn't risen from the dead and you believed in Jesus and he wasn't who he said he was, then you're still lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are to be even more pitied than anyone else in the world. But in fact, say but, there's a holy but. In fact, he says, Christ has been raised from the dead. Who believes that? He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you must see, just as death came into the world through a man, who's that man? Adam, right? Now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. God was all God, and he was all man. Just as everyone dies because we belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. When Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? Death. Sin entered the world. Before, before they sinned, we never died. People didn't die. When that happened, when we choose sin over God, death, somebody say death, entered in the world. Guess what the remedy is for that death? Jesus Christ. Because we all fall from the line of Adam and Eve. Sin runs through our veins. And if the remedy is Jesus Christ, if you haven't applied the blood of the Lamb who is Jesus Christ over your life, you're lost. You're unredeemed. You haven't been set free. But if you have, you have life. Because we've all sinned, we all must die. But because of Jesus, we can all live. Just because the grave is empty, it doesn't mean my life has to be. Hey, and it doesn't mean my afterlife has to be. Come on, somebody. We got last point. So it says, everyone wants to live forever. But eternal life is not a thing we obtain. It's a person that we know. Eternal life is the result of relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Because the tomb is empty, our lives don't have to be. Part of being human is because we've been made in the image of God. But part of being human that separates us from every other creature on the face of the planet is we have the revelation of the afterlife. What is going to happen when we die? And so every single person, like I said in Ecclesiastes, says God has placed eternity in the heart of man. There's a desire for us to go somewhere else afterwards. And so we have a living hope that God calls us to live in, and there's a, a dying hope, not one that dies, but one that we can have knowing that I'm going to pass away one day but what I want you to see is it's not anything that you can do or grab or buy. You can't buy your eternity. There's nothing that you can trade for your eternal life. It's your faith in Jesus. That's it. 
There's only one Messiah, the Alpha, the Omega, the First and the Last, the King of Kings, the, the Prince of Peace. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He's the only one that has purchased your freedom. And guess what? It's free. His freedom is free. Come on, Jesus. So why would you reject that day after day after day? He says, come see, experience. Look at John 17, 1 through 3, NIV. It says, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you. That they would know you. This is what Jesus prayed. The only true God and Jesus Christ from who you sent. The only thing that can get you into heaven is your relationship with Jesus. He prayed that you would know him. The God above all gods, the son above all sons. That you would know him and that he would know you. So does he know you? Do you know him? Look at John 3, 16 through 17. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall what? Not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save. Somebody say save. Save the world through him. If you can believe today, he can save you. If you can have enough faith to believe in Jesus, he can save you out of any pigsty you've found yourself in, put yourself in. So stop living empty and let him fill you. If you can give him your faith today, something can happen, something can change. Here's the good news. God gave his life. His best, everything that he had was poured out on that cross. He did the hard part. All he's asking you to do today is give him your faith. How amazing is that? Man, he gave us the easy part. He says, I'm going to give my son... And all I'm asking of you today is your faith in my son. My faith in my son. Y'all join me in prayer this morning as we get ready to close. I just want to pray over us first. So, Father God, Lord, we love you. We thank you. I thank you for the resurrection Sunday. God, because the tomb is empty, my life doesn't have to be. So I declare life. Resurrection life for each and every person here today. For every family, every circumstance, every test, every trial, I declare life by faith in Jesus right now in Jesus' name. I want you to stay praying in an intimate place with him and reverence before God. If you're born again, if you know this Jesus that I'm talking about as personal Lord and Savior, if you know him and you know that he knows you, I want you to pr please right now pray for the lost. Pray for the lost, dying, hurting world. That somebody would come to know Jesus today.
Amen. The last thing I want to do is if you're here or you're watching us online today and Jesus Christ is not your Lord and you don't, maybe you don't know. You say, I, I don't know. If you don't know, there's a sign that something is wrong. You should have a peace that says, you know what? No, I'm forgiven. You know what? I, I talk to God. He knows me. He knows my junk. He's forgiven me. He loves me. So if that's not you, I want to change that today. I want you to be adopted into the kingdom of God and to become a child of God today and to celebrate with you. And in a moment, I want to ask you to do something that's going to take faith. It's something you do every single day without even thinking about it. But right now, today, whether you're watching this online or here in our sanctuary, it's going to mean something. And so if you want to pray to accept God, Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want you right now to physically stand up. Don't worry, no one's watching you. We're actually praying for you right now. Praise God, there's people standing. If you want to pray to accept Jesus Christ today, hallelujah, continue to stand. I want you to know God sees you. He knows you. He loves you. He forgives you. Here in a moment, I'll lead us all in a prayer. If you want to stand, I'll give you a few more moments. If that's you online, put something in the chat. Say, I'm making that decision. I'm making that prayer. I'm praying to accept Jesus. Amen. I want to lead us in a prayer. I want us to say it loud and proud today. It's Easter Sunday. Hallelujah. Kingdom of God is growing. It's going to go like this. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you. We accept you. We believe in you. And we confess that Jesus is Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, come. Forgive me of my past. Redeem my future. And lead my life until you call me home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. You may be seated. So awesome. So awesome. Who's glad you came to church Easter Sunday today? Man, we're glad you came too. We love you guys so much. Well, hey, I hope you get to go home and enjoy some family time today. Enjoy your Easter Sunday. Eat good. Have some fun. And, um, Y'all are dismissed, okay? Hope to see you next week. Bring somebody with you to church next week.